0: Dope Black Podcast Hi and welcome to another episode of the Dope Black Dads podcast. I'm Marcus Ramterhull. I'm super, super excited today to be joined by the producer Will Packer, who you might know from producing films such as Straight Out of Compton, and even doing the last Academy Awards as well. But we're going to talk about the new movie that's coming out, Beast, starring Idris Elba. Will, thank you so much for joining us. Marcus, what's happening, man? How you doing? I am doing very, very well, thanks. And I'm so, so excited for this interview. I'm really pleased you could join us today. Me too, Um, brother. Come on. Dope Black Dads, I'm in. You had me at the title.
1: Once you say (laughs) Dope Black Dads, I'm like... Who's doper than me? Let's
0: go. I'm
1: ready. Dope Black Dad talk. We don't have enough of that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of why why we do this as well and what the podcast is all about and also why the film resonates so much with us as well. So I was lucky enough to, to see a preview of the movie last week and I absolutely loved it. And what's really interesting for me is it's, you know, I was on the edge of my seat. I was scared. It's a thriller. It's a horror. But... There's also this story about fatherhood and and daughters and protection and bonding, um, which was just really unexpected, actually, but really fantastic. So just tell us a bit about that. You know,
1: it's the fatherhood story, to be honest with you, that really is what makes this film. It's what the film hinges on. You know, I I love the survival thriller aspects. I think that listen, the lion is badass. Make no mistake, he is coming. <laughs> he is of blood, and he's he would whoop Mufasa's ass. Okay, <laughs> this is a badass lion. But the reality though is that um, none of that works, right? The action, um, the stakes, the thriller aspect. If you don't care about the characters, if you're not truly invested in the characters, then you know. I don't think the narrative works. And so one of the things we talked about, and Idris and I very specifically talked about this when we were talking about the concept for the movie, he thought it was a really interesting concept. And I'm a fan of survival thrillers and Man versus Beast. And he thought that was a really interesting backdrop. And 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 shooting it on the continent was all things that we talked about, the value thereof. But it was really, what really got him into it was the fact that this character was a dad. And the fact that this really is a movie about a family in peril. It's a movie about a family that's vulnerable. Um, A dad that's really going through some shit with his daughters. The matriarch of the family, their mom has just died. Dad blames himself. The girls blame dad. They're strained. Uh, All of this is happening before they ever reach the continent of Africa. Before they're ever in a single frame with this man eating lion, before any of that happens, it's a family that is in danger because of their internal dynamics. You've got his oldest daughter, played brilliantly by Ayanna Haley in the movie. She's on the cusp of womanhood. She's got all those kind of angsty, emotional roller coaster things going on that many of us have seen before um, and she's coming at him hard and one of the reasons I really like Ayanna as an actress is because she had to go toe-to-toe with Idris Elba. and that's not, I mean adult actors who've been doing this for a while aren't looking forward to that right? <laughs> and she was fearless with it man she really you know um, when you see the film she makes you you know um, love and hate her she makes you empathetic for everything she's going through and also she makes you want to just, you know, jump through the screen and grab her and shake some sense into her. But she's a real person and and she plays a real character that makes mistakes. And then you've got her younger sister, Idris' younger daughter, played by this uh, amazing young actress, Leah Jeffries. And she's somebody that is um, she's trying to find her place in the world, figure out, you know, she's tired of the family fighting. She's tired of what's been going on between dad and, and her older sister, um and she says what's on her mind. She actually provides, you know, with a movie like this, when you've got such um tense dramatic moments, you need some levity. And she uh is is our levity. Nine times out of ten is the Leah character, the young the young character of uh of Nora, um, who provides that levity throughout the film. Um for me, it's that dynamic and what they're going through that makes the film work, that that gives you that investment and makes you care about then the self-preservation story as they're in this existential crisis with a lion chasing them but all that works because you first are invested in those that family dynamic
0: yeah absolutely and and you talked a bit there about Ayana and Leah um so tell me a bit about casting because because they are incredible in this movie
1: yeah yeah I mean Look, with a movie like this, the first call I made was Idris, without a doubt. Like there was nobody else that was gonna play that role. First call I made was Idris. Talked to him about it, even before I had a finished script. I mean, I was it was very early in the process and that's how he and I roll. We've done six movies together. We got a shorthand. I don't call him unless I got something that's like worth, you know, a serious conversation about. And so he knows when I reach out, I got something that's, you know, I think is hot. Once he was in, there were three major roles uh, that were essential to the movie's success. And that was um, the character of Martin, who is played by Charlton Copley. Uh, and this character actually is someone who knew Idris's uh, wife and the girl's mother before Idris. He is from the village in South Africa that um, the mom was from. And Idris being South African was was uh, really additive to what he brought to that character in that role. It wasn't, we didn't hire him because he was South African. We hired him because he's so great and he could play that role. But the fact that he was South African and could speak to, you know, the real, you um, Dynamics of the poachers and the anti-poachers and, um, and the locals and, and, you know, the ecosystem uh, of hunting, poaching in that environment. All that was just added value um, for the role that he played. Then we had to cast these two daughters. And, you know, we cast a very wide net and we saw a lot of people um, and we saw some really amazing young actresses and so for these two actresses to get it they cut through um you know and and um stood out um and 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 got two roles that were highly highly sought after and i give um uh all props and kudos to our casting director um kim coleman our american casting director because we had one in south africa one from the u.s and kim coleman is the one who led the search for our two young girls. Um, And Ayana and Leah, I'm going to tell you now, they got got Next, they got Now. Like, you're going to be seeing a lot from them. I promise you.
0: I, I absolutely don't doubt that. And it's really, really exciting to see young Black women on screen in big roles as well, which is why it's so fascinating thinking about, you know, maybe the job that Kim had with all these... Um, trying to cast that net Trying to find people And it's really exciting to see That on screen You know Huge movie The three of the leads uh, Are black characters um, And the, the choice To produce the movie On location in South Africa As well as you said You know talk a bit more About the value of that
1: Yeah well I'm gonna go back For a second Cause you just hit on something You know you talk about A movie like this Right Studio movie um, You know survival thriller man versus beast and you got three black leads right like when was the last time that you saw a movie with this kind of backdrop this kind of subject matter where a black character where it's centered around a black character typically black characters supporting in this right it's trying to help the white guy live usually <laughs> it's usually a, a white male and, and the black best friend gets eaten by the or, certain <laughs> or certain creature here I love the fact, one of the things I'm most proud of about this movie is the fact that it it happens to have a Black dad and two Black daughters. It's not about the fact that the characters are Black. The story works. It's a universal story in terms of the themes and in terms of what the family's going through. It works, you know, with, with any ethnicity, cultural dynamic of a family in that role. But the fact that they happen to be Black right it's it sit yourself in two brown skinned girls that's imagery that's important that's why I do what I do to be very honest with you I do what I do to push um, to push imagery we haven't seen because hollywood for so long has had just a dearth of rounded black images you know it's it's been very very narrow in terms of the um, the aperture through which hollywood has seen and showcased black characters so you know There hasn't been a movie like this with these characters. I'm proud of that. I'm proud to be, you know, producing, you know, one of the first, if not the first, certainly on a global level like this. The other thing about that imagery is the question you asked about shooting in South Africa. Like, that was important, too. We always knew that the lion was going to be CGI, uh, and there was a decision made. What we talked about with with Balthazar very early was, all right, the lion's going to be computer generated. Let's not have it be... A computer-generated lion against a green screen blue backdrop shot on a studio in Atlanta, Georgia, right? Um, let's go and have real backdrops, a scope, a, a, a real cinematic, you know, vista upon which to shoot our film and then put the CGI line within it so that it would just have a texture. You know, it would just feel real, um... The other thing is that I had never shot on the continent before and I was really looking forward to it. And it was an amazing experience, man. I'll tell you, it was, um, the crews were awesome. The people were amazing. Um, it was beautiful. It was everything that, that I hoped it would be. It was challenging for sure, because you're not, you know, shooting in, uh, major cities with all the comforts therein. in you're out you out brother we were we were 5 miles away from johannesburg joburg was the closest city to us and we were not close so <laughs> that means you got to be prepared you got to have everything that you think you need uh out there with you you have to you know prep it storyboard it think about it in advance you need a crew that's that's you know that's really good and we had a great one um i was proud of the fact that we shot this movie uh in the uh, august of 2021 um, well, yeah, like from uh, July, June, July through August, somewhere in that time frame um, at what would have been the latter part of a, of the summer for the U.S. And um, because of COVID, there had certainly been a drop off in productions in the country of South Africa. And in the region that we shot, there were full villages that had not had work because of COVID for a very long time. And we were able to put whole villages to work. We were able to hire, you know, locals. I mean, at one time, I realized that everybody in a particular area that was working on the crew was from this village, like the whole village was working on our movie. And that happened multiple times with multiple villages. I was very, very proud of that fact um, that we were able to give people jobs and put them to work. And to me, that's the best version of what you know, we do as filmmakers, especially uh, backed by like the Hollywood machine. I can put images on screen we don't see enough of: black dad, black fo- black dad, black daughters. Um, and then I can shoot on a continent that that doesn't get enough love, and shoot in an area where people, you know, needed to work, and we could do it. Like that's the best version of what I do. So no matter what the movie does in terms of box office and those type of quantifiable metrics, it's a success. Period. Mm-hmm. It's a success because the imagery that's out there and because of the the care and
0: time and intentionality that we put into making the film and influencing folks. Yeah, it's so, so important. We're having a um, discussion, uh, the last pod I did with, with David George, who's ri- written a book about kind of encouraging uh, black boys to get into creative industries and how that's possible and, um, and you know, a real practical guide to how to do that. And we were talking about how important representation is and how difficult it can be to, to have that with your family, with your daughters watching what you do, and and knowing that that means you go away from home a lot, and you might not be around a lot. What um, what is that like for you? Do they do they like what you do? Are they inspired by what you do? Um, that's an interesting question. I think my
1: girls, I think it's cool what I do. Are they inspired by it? I I have a a daughter. I have two daughters. My oldest recently graduated from Howard University in D.C. And she um, she has said to me, like, Dad, you work too hard. I don't want to (laughs) work as hard as you. She has been very clear, like, I don't want to do what you do. I've seen it up close and personal. You can have it. I'm not. I don't care what they pan. I like she's got a different kind of mentality. She wants to. um live a life, I think, where she has like more control over it. And she, um, you know, prioritizes her personal happiness. And I certainly encourage that. I can't be mad at that. But I know part of it is the fact that she sees dad having to, you know, get on planes and work very, very late nights and work very, very hard for a very long time. She is interested in writing, though. So she didn't totally escape the sphere (laughs) of my influence. And then my youngest daughter is still figuring it out. Um, I think they both like what I do, but I think they want to be kind of like just this side of what I do. Like, they don't really want to do fully like what dad does because I just think it feels daunting to them. But I think they'll be adjacent, I think they'll be somehow involved with creatives, the creative industry, creating things, creating mm-hmm. content, whether it's movie producing or screenwriting or not. I think they'll both be involved with, um, some form of creating some
0: type of content. That's my instinct. Yeah, I think that there's there's a whole raft of things for people, um, young people to look at in the creative industries now. And I have a similar feeling about about my daughters and what they might end up doing. They, they see uh, a similar thing from, from my end in terms of, you know, <laughs> traveling a lot and shooting a lot. How um, old are they? Gosh, my eldest Emily will be 10 next month. And my youngest, Eva, is going to be seven next month. They're six days apart. Oh, wow. (laughs) Really? Okay. Okay. In September? Yeah. Yeah. Bad family planning. We're going to have a 21st and an 18th in the same week. (laughs) Listen, brother, hang in there. And it's coming faster than you know. I know you're thinking you got
1: time. Listen, I just had, speak of family planning, I couldn't control this, but my oldest graduated from Howard on a Friday night. And the very next day, Saturday morning, my youngest daughter graduated from high school in, in different cities. I was in DC, and, and my youngest went to school in Atlanta. And so that was a hell of a weekend, my friend. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen
0: Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter.
1: Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW. And it came a lot faster. Like, I remember when my daughters were your daughter's age. So just enjoy it, man. That's what I say. I say to all my parents out there, like, soak it up enjoy it because you're going to blink and be like who is this young woman like (laughs) what happened to my babies you know it just i'm sure you can already tell because you remember when they were in your arms you know and look at them
0: now so yeah yeah that's that's sound sound advice and i suppose Uh, It's a good opportunity for me to say, you know, is there any other advice? You know, a father of two daughters made a movie about two daughters that you might give to any of the dope black dads listening out there. You know, one
1: of the things the movie looks at is. um, It's something a lot of us can identify and relate to, uh, especially coming out of the pandemic, where, you know, there are a lot of people that have strained familiar relationships. The pandemic put a lot of stress on all of us. In a lot of different ways and some of our most important relationships got strained in the pandemic um you were around people in a different way than you were before you know and and a lot some of us trapped in houses and close confined areas with your loved ones and you realize you don't love them that much you know you, <laughs> you love them when you can get away from them you know what i'm saying not when you got to see them every day but and then certainly you know to a degree in the movie, in the movie Beast, our family is is dealing with a very strained relationship. But ultimately, what the movie looks at is at the end of the day, what's most important are those family relationships. That's what you got. Family is what you got. And whether it's biological um, or some different version of how you define your family unit and family system, that's the backbone from which so many of us draw our strength. And so... If there was a piece of advice, it would be just to remember that, just to know that even, you know, in all I do, I've, I've made a bunch of movies and and I'm very blessed to have had a certain level of success I'm very proud of it. But at the end of the day, it's really about family for me, man. It's not about, you know, big box office or number one movies or awards. It's about me being able to do what I do for my family, influence them, them see what I do. Um, you know, be able to give them opportunities they may not otherwise have. They're who I do it for. They really are. And so that's what I would just advise dads is that we got a lot on us, man, with a lot of pressure, especially black dads. We got different pressures than any other dads in the world. And, you know, we we, we walk into a room and there's a certain perception, the way that we're seen. Um, but we got to remember at the end of the day, as dads, who we're doing it for. You know, they're watching us all the time, especially dads and daughters. You're the first man they ever love. You're the first, you know, person to treat them like the queen, like the princess that they, they are and the queen they will become. And, you know, they, um, their relationship with men, their relationship with people um, is so heavily influenced by their relationship with us. So just just keep our eyes on that and the prize through it all with all the stresses and everything else that we go through um that'd be
0: my advice perfect thank you very much for that that's uh really sound advice and i'm glad i'm glad i asked you the question as well um listen i've got so much i want to kind of ask you about um and particularly um your background as well because if i've got this right your degree is in electrical engineering is that right <laughs> yeah man <laughs> why you act surprised I don't i didn't I? Isn't that a normal
1: uh career move to go from electrical engineering to producing movies? Is that not what everybody does?
0: I mean, I suppose <laughs> I can't answer that. My degree uh, was in biology and, and here I am. Oh, well, see?
1: You get it. You in a technical field. There you go. You had science, I had engineering, like, you know. I still so, think I use my engineering degree though, because I it it um I have a a bachelor's of science in electrical engineering, and I graduated magna cum laude. Very proud of that. Graduated with honors. So I like put the work in. I didn't skate by. Um, And the reality is that it forces you to hone your analytical mind the way that you attack problems and problem solving. And so I use that even in a very creative field. And I actually think it gives me a leg up on some of my peers because I approach this creative endeavor with an analytical skill set that i would not otherwise have had so um i still think i use that degree but yes
0: that is true electrical I mean, engineering. it's certainly working considering the the length and, and quality of your cv so how did that kind of jump from electrical engineering to media and film kind of work out for you how did that happen it
1: happened organically i was in college and um a fraternity brother of mine, I'm an Alpha Phi Alpha member, um, and I uh, I pledged with um, one of my line brothers who I got very close with, Rob Hardy, wanted to be a film director. He knew he wanted to be a director. He was influenced by um, Spike Lee and the Hudlin brothers and the Hughes brothers, and he knew he wanted to make movies. I did not. That was not my dream going into college. I was majoring in engineering because I was proficient in math and science. I got a scholarship in engineering. And then my plan was to go to business school because I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I wasn't sure what the business was going to be. I just knew I wanted to be in business for myself. And I helped him. He and I together made a very small movie while we were still in college. And that movie was called Chocolate City. And it was about uh, college life at a black college at an HBCU um, which was the world that we knew and we hired our friends and and folks that we knew around campus and borrowed you know money and old equipment to make the movie happen did not know a lot about what we were doing didn't have all the technical proficiencies that we have now we had some we didn't have a film school at our university but at a nearby university um, Florida State we were at FAMU Florida a and and Florida State University is in the same city, they had a film school. And so we got some kids from the film school to help us make our first little movie, Chocolate City. And that's what really kind of um, spurred my producing career, because it was the process of making that movie, trying to get it into Hollywood. Hollywood not giving a damn about our little tiny movie about black college life. Nobody would call us back. Nobody would even watch the movie. It didn't have stars in it. We didn't have a budget. But the interesting thing, Marcus, was that at our university, the movie was a big deal. And so it showed me that you don't have to, you have to know your audience. You don't have to make a film for everybody, but make a film for somebody. I remember very specifically standing on stage at the premiere of that tiny little movie, Chocolate City, on the campus of Florida AM University in our auditorium on campus. And I was introducing the film and the entire front row was empty because we had saved seats for all these Hollywood dignitaries that we had invited. We'd invited the chairman and presidents of all the major studios, Sony and Paramount and Um, Warner Brothers and none of those people came. They didn't even RSVP, right? I even invited Oprah because my mother said, you invited all these other people. You better invite Oprah. I said, mom, Oprah is not coming. She said, you don't know that. She said, if you invited the chairman of Disney, you can invite Oprah Winfrey. So I invited Oprah Winfrey. I gave her a plus one, just in case she brought somebody. All those people did not come. None of them. None of them came, none of them RSVP, but I had saved seats, Marcus, because what if the day of the Chocolate City premiere in Tallahassee, Florida, a bunch of private jets came in, flying all these dignitaries, right? So I had to be prepared. The front row was empty because none of them showed up. But every other seat in that auditorium was full. Everything else was packed, standing room only, because those kids cared. They saw themselves on that screen. It was a story that they knew, It was a life that they knew. They saw that and they wanted to see those imageries and they showed up in mass for it. And I realized I'm not making these movies for the front row. I'm making them for everybody else. And that has stuck with me even now. And so that is really what kind of um, invigorated this this drive to tell stories, because I saw the power in it, because I saw that there are people, even though like. The traditional gatekeepers could care less about this film. There were people who cared and that was all I needed. That was the validation I needed. And I think so many of us can learn from that. You don't have to be making movies, whatever it is that you're doing in your life. Who are you seeking validation from? Who is it that you're really making it for? Are you making whatever it is that it is, whether you, you know, you could be a writer, you could be a chemist, you could be a stockbroker. Are you doing it for the front row or are you doing it for everybody else? Focus on who you're making it for and focus on people who will receive the most benefit from it because you might be chasing
0: validation from the wrong people. A lot of people can relate to that. So, I mean, that's a really important lesson there. When it came to making Beast, did you have that in your mind? Who are making this movie for? And if so, who, who were you making this movie for?
1: Oh, that's interesting. Um, You know, I didn't... I I I focused more on the story that we wanted to tell. I really felt like this could be general audiences. You know, I, I didn't feel like, okay, this is a movie that's just for... Black dads or black people or black daughters or a movie that's just for young males or a movie that's just for people that, you know, have been to Africa. Like, I think I felt like this is a broad story that is um, very inclusive in terms of the way they were telling it, not exclusive to any particular uh, group or demographic. But I felt like it was going to be told through a very specific lens. Like, it's important that the main character is Idris Elba, who happens to be a black man with black daughters. Like, that perspective is important. So I wanted to tell a broad, far-reaching, broadly entertaining movie, but through a very specific lens. And I think we accomplished that.
0: Yeah, I I certainly think so as well. I absolutely loved watching it. I think you guys did a fantastic job with that that movie. Thank you, brother. Um, and you spoke a bit there about your experience kind of, you talked about gatekeepers in the film industry. Yes. You know, obviously you, you talked about wanting to become an entrepreneur and you've obviously had lots of business success with media companies, production companies. What's that experience been like for you? A, a
1: long and arduous, right? Like not overnight for sure. It is, it has been the only reason I was able even to get validation from Um, traditional Hollywood studios is because I did it on my own frankly like that's that's really how you get Hollywood's attention is to go out and make money without them and then they go wait a minute wait a minute let's be a part of that let's take advantage of that and so I was independent and started off making independent films that I went out and raised financing for and did on my own and And then, you know, and they were very, very small movies and eventually got a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger to the point where I am now. Um, It's it's good because now, you know, I can get my calls returned uh, from, you know, people call me back now. That that is is a thing. (laughs) They they don't they don't leave me on red, Right. So I get I get I get hit back. Um, But that's because I've been successful. That's because I have gone out and made films that have made money to be very frank um and so that's part of what the journey has been is like finding my own voice within this industry finding my power um finding uh where i matter in terms of the hollywood hierarchy and landscape and then using that to my advantage to put other people on to hire other people to have um i'm very proud of my um my tree, so to speak, of people who have come in, worked for me and turned for me and gone on to do great things. So to me, that's another reason why I do it is to uh, have that legacy. Hopefully, whenever I'm 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 done with this business, you know, they people will say he touched a lot of people. That's more important to me than <clears throat> than, um you know, the box office and, and hits. And, you know, that I've had, it's that the impact
0: and influence I've had on people in the industry awesome and um for any of those budding entrepreneurs out there what would be the most important lesson you've learned or m- most uh, important piece of advice you might be able to give them
1: uh to uh, define success on your own terms not somebody else's that's key Well, before I ever made a movie like Beast, I was, you know, a struggling filmmaker trying to figure out if I had made the right decision. I had an engineering degree that was hanging on the wall that I wasn't using and not making any money, eating ramen noodles and um, selling newspapers door to door just to keep the lights on. And I felt like, oh, did I make the wrong decision? And I felt like, you know, people in Hollywood who would hear the pitches that i was coming up with or saw the first little movie that i made you know they were saying "Mm, i don't think i don't think this is it you know they were telling me you know that my projects weren't good enough and they weren't gonna make money i wasn't gonna be successful but that was them and their opinions and their definition of what i needed to be and their definition for success for me was reaching a certain level the way that they quantified it for me I had to define success for myself and my dream couldn't be over until I said it was over. It didn't matter what anybody else said. I don't care who they were. It didn't matter if, if, you know, uh, Oprah Winfrey, Steven Spielberg and George Lucas came and sat in my living room and said, son, you're not going to make it. This is not for you. (laughs) It doesn't matter. Right. All the credits and power and, um, you know, all that they have is just for them. And, They can only uh, tell me their opinions from their perspectives. Valid perspectives, but it doesn't mean that my dream is over until I say it's over. So that's the advice for somebody that's listening, watching right now. When you say, okay, this is not it for me. I need to pivot. It's not working. It's not going to work. Then it's over. It's truly, once you say that, it's a wrap. Let it go. But until you say that, and not until you say that, is it over? doesn't matter what anybody else says. doesn't matter if, you know, you get turned down by 10 investors. 11 may be the one. I got told no plenty, plenty before I ever got a studio to say yes to financing a film of mine. So I think that's it. Control. Keep. Don't give away your power, which is your own definition of success. Keep that. Control that and be hard on yourself. Push yourself, you know, to be great. But Don't give that to somebody else and let somebody else say, "Okay, Marcus, you don't have what it takes and you accept that.
0: Thank you very much for that. That's great. I'm sure our listeners will take a lot from that, knowing what you've already achieved so far in in your career and your life. Um, So, Will, um, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, man. It's been a real, real privilege talking to you. Beast is out in UK cinemas on the 26th of august it's an awesome movie do go and see it absolutely don't hesitate book the tickets go watch that film it's incredible there you go Uh, cast a fantastic wonderful production and thank you very much again will
1: thank you for having me brother love the podcast keep it going man thank you
0: okay take care take care all right dope black podcast